Welcome to Passion Life Church. Good morning, Passion Life Church. Good morning. We're so glad that you're here and uh, welcome to part four of a series that we've entitled simply when you pray. And you may ask, Phil, where did you get this brilliant series title? Well, I got it from words that Jesus actually said because the disciples growing up, they had memorized prayers and it's good to memorize prayers. And they would recite prayers, but something happened in their lives when they heard Jesus pray. And a lot of times they didn't necessarily see him pray, but they heard him pray. Like they heard his heart. And so they were like, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And I just thought maybe if we could pray like Jesus, maybe there would be a difference in our lives. And because the disciples growing up, even though they memorized prayer, something about what Jesus said, it came from the heart. And so we've been talking about that. Let me just encourage you. If you, maybe you, you know, you've been out, there's some things uh, happening in your life and you haven't been around. I would just encourage you to go online, download the app, listen to especially last week's message. Man, it was on forgiveness. It, it, there were so many people that were just set free. And so we're looking at how we pray by how Jesus said to pray. And this has been our theme scripture, Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Can we say this together? Let's say it kind of like Hooked on Phonics. Come on, have you ever seen Hooked on Phonics? Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You know, I want to share with you a little bit about my journey in prayer. And uh, we're going to talk about praying the promises of God. Because a lot of times we don't know. And I remember being young in the Lord, and I really didn't know what to pray. And maybe some of you will, will, will relate to this. Like, a lot of my prayers as a new believer was this. God, forgive me. That was, that was my prayer repeatedly. God, forgive me. Or this one. God, Help me. Help. How many of you know those, those are good prayers? Those are, those are really good prayers. But what I started to realize is that I think that God wanted more. And some of my prayers were actually what I would call, in football terminology, just Hail Mary prayers. I would just kind of like throw them up. Lord, okay. You know, and really didn't know if that's what God expected. I prayed a lot of these prayers. And don't raise your hand if you've ever prayed these prayers. But maybe it'll relate. Have you ever prayed this prayer? Lord... If you get me out of this one, I will be a missionary to Africa and serve you for the rest. Anybody, don't raise your hand, but that one, as a believer, that those are the kind of prayers. And uh, he never called me to go to Africa. And can I just ask you, why is Africa always the place where people are like, oh, good, Africa's a good place. They, they have a thriving, I think they have one of the biggest churches in the world. I don't know why people are always putting down Africa, but they need Jesus and they're doing good. But uh, I was like, God, I'll, I'll be a missionary for you if you just please get me out of this one. And a lot of times when I came to God, I, I felt guilty. I felt guilty for asking God things. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Like, you know, man, you know, God's busy right now. He's got a lot going on. And, and I, I really don't know if my problem is really, he's concerned about that. And, and I would feel guilty. And here's what happened. And here's what changed my perception about God and prayer. Is I started to look in his word about how he wanted me to ask. That there were literally scriptures in the Bible that said, I have to ask. When you look at the Lord's prayer, Jesus said, pray in this manner, right? Our father. So we come as a son, right? Jesus said, hey, look, my father is your father. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become a child of God. And we come to God relationally. Not, he doesn't want this formality. He wants us to say, God, our, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we lift up his name. And we did that beautifully today. We lift up his name. Right, hallowed be that your kingdom come, your will be done. And we're gonna talk about that today. It says, but then listen, it says, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is telling us that he wants us to come to him and petition. He actually said, Phil, I want you to come and I want you to say, give me this day our daily bread. And then here's one of the scriptures that just kind of really got to me. It was in, uh, I believe, James chapter 4, verse 2. It says this, you have not because you ask not. And then I started to think, what? So there could be things in my life that I'm not attaining because I just simply 
haven't asked? And you know, let's be honest. You know what's hard about asking? If we really were to break down asking, asking takes humility. It takes humility to ask, right? When I got down on my one knee and I asked my wife to marry me, I was, that, that took you, like, I want to, I, I like you. I had to admit I like you and I don't want to live without you. And it wasn't like, I don't want to live without you. But it was like more of a like, man, I, I, want, I don't want to live. With, and uh, will you marry me? God, will you supply my need? That you're acknowledging now, I got a need. Like, I can't do this by myself. And here's what I've also learned about asking. Asking, asking do you know, asking is actually a sign of praise, it's a sign of praise. If I were to ask my good looking buddy over here, Luke, right? If I were to say, Luke, I need to borrow a million bucks. What am I implying to Luke? I'm implying to Luke that he's got what? A million dollars. Now he works at a bank, but I don't know if he actually has a million dollars. But my question implies that you have something. See, when I come to God and I say, God, here's whatever I need, we're praising him saying, you have what I need. Come on, somebody. You have what I need. You know, I was reading a report and they were talking about how every year, some of this is going to make you a little upset. Every year there is 5.8 billion, billion gift cards that go unclaimed. 5.8 billion in gift cards that are already paid for, but people don't claim them. And I thought about, man, that's kind of like God and his promises. The promises are already sealed and paid for in his blood. But sometimes because of our lack of knowledge, we don't claim his promises. Come on, somebody. All of you are going to check your gift cards now, right? Five point. That kind of made me upset. But then I thought about how many of us sometimes are just not living where God wants us because we don't know that his promises are available. In the Old Testament, it says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And I would ask you today, like, what what are you facing? Like, really, what's going on in your life? Not just, you know, sometimes we come to church and we just put this mask on and we're like, praise you, Jesus, thank you, Lord. And, And then we go and then we take the mask off. You know, I want Passion Life Church to be a church where you can come and take the mask off and it's okay not to be okay here. Right. And it's okay to say, this is what I need. And I would ask you today, what are you really facing? I mean, do you need a physical touch from God today? Do you need financial provision today? And here would be my question. Have you prayed about it? Have you come to God and asked him and said, God, I need your help in that area. Because what you're doing, that's humility. That's saying, God, I've tried and I can't do it. And many of these areas in our life, we just can't do by ourselves. But thank God we have God that for every one of our petitions, he's got a promise. And here's what I want us to understand about God's promises. Let me give you a couple things today about God's promises. Number one, God cannot lie. God cannot lie. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 It says this, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent as he said, and he will not do, or has he spoken and will he not make it good? When God makes a promise, he cannot lie. Here's something else I want us to understand about God's promise. Number two, God is able to perform his promises. If God was not able to perform it, he never would have spoke it. Look at Romans chapter four, verse 21. It says, and being fully convinced. How many of you today are fully convinced? It says, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he is able to perform. That's a good word today. That's a good word to us that don't make a promise that you're not able to perform. Because when you make promises that you're not able to perform as a Christian, you're not giving glory to God's name. Because God, before he promises, he looks at himself and says, am I able to perform it? And then he sends a promise your way. And God is able to perform his promises. Here's number three. We need to understand about God's promises. God is faithful. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised, would you say that with me? For he who promised is what? Faithful. He is faithful. So I have my petitions and we have petitions. All of our petitions can be different. But you know what? God is a great God and he's powerful enough that he can meet the whole world's petitions with his power. But we have our petition and now God has his promises. And here's where it connects. It's in prayer. Listen to this, my church family. It's in prayer that the two connect. It's in prayer where we bring our petitions and his promises to God. Do you know that God tells us in his word that he wants us to remind him of his promises? Let me show you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. Look at what God told the prophet Isaiah about his promises. Isaiah was talking to the God's people. And this is what he was telling him. He says, I want you to remind me of my promises. Look, he says, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions. Anybody happy today that God blots out our transgressions? He says, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions. Watch this for my own sake. Because sometimes we're like, God, I know you did it for me. Yeah, he did do it for you. But you know, here he says, I did it for me because I wanted to have a relationship with you. It says, he says, he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Look at verse 26. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Now, God was telling Isaiah, listen, I want you to tell my people. I want you to tell my people two, three thousand years in the future at Passion Life Church. I want them to know something. And this is important when you pray. I want you to know that I don't remember your transgressions anymore. The Bible says that he forgives us of our sins, but he remembers them nowhere. They're separated as far as the east is from the west. This is what he told prophet Isaiah to say, right? Is it just me or can you relate to this? As soon as you want to go to God in prayer, what does the enemy remind you of? He starts to remind you of how you're not perfect. He starts to remind you of the mistakes that you made, maybe even possible sins when you, that you committed when you were five years old. Come on, somebody. And he starts to put that in your mind. I love what Joyce Meyer says. She says, it's the battlefield of the mind. And I don't think about all those things and still until I start to go before God. As soon as I start to pray, it's all of a sudden my phone rings. I have all of these thoughts like, man, I'm just trying to pray. And it shows you how powerful prayer is. But here's what God is saying. When you come before God, you need to know something that he has already blot out your sin. He is not thinking about your sin. And here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to remind him of his promise. Lord, I thank you that you have blotted out my transgressions. And he wants us to, to say that. He wants us to say, hey, God, listen. And why is that important? It's important because as you start to say that, you're also reminding yourself that you are forgiven. And let me help us today. God is not sitting. God is not the accuser of the brethren. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. Jesus is the forgiver of the brethren. And it's the devil who is constantly throwing accusations of you. Can I just tell you, the Bible says that Jesus's blood cleanses us. There's an S on there. That means that his blood is so powerful that even now as we stand here, his blood is cleansing me of unrighteousness. Come on, somebody. It's cleansing me. How many of you believe the blood of Jesus is alive? How many of you believe that it's powerful? It's bigger than your sin. It's bigger than your mistakes. It's bigger than your failures. Woo, I feel like preaching now. His blood. It's amazing because when we come to prayer, the enemy starts to accuse and accuse. And let me just kind of tell you how this will play out. When the enemy is accusing you, God says, remind me of my promise. Remind me of my promise. 
the promise that God has blotted out your sins and he doesn't remember them. And so if I could sum up prayer, if you could say, Pastor Phil, what is prayer? If I could sum up prayer for you today, here's what I would say this is when we pray the promises of God. Prayer is talking to God using God's own words. See, when I started to struggle in prayer, I, did, I really didn't know what to pray. And then I started to look into his word and I began to realize that God wanted me to remind him of his promises. In other words, God wanted me to talk to God using God's own words. I said, you know what? Well, I can do that. But here's the thing. I got to figure out what he said. If God wants me to remind him of his words, then I have to know what he said. Now, listen, there's a time, and we've talked about this in this series, where you pour out your heart, where you come to God and you say, God, here's my heart, like David did. If you ever read the Psalms, whoo, David is pouring out his heart. There's a time for that. But then there's a time that we come to God with our petitions. And here's where prayer can get really powerful, is when you begin to take your petitions and you get God's promises and begin to connect your petitions with God's promises. And God wants us to start to make those connections. Put me in remembrance. And here's what I wanna to do today. I wanna to give us four reasons why God wants us to remind him and pray his promises. Here's number one. When you pray God's promises, when you're reminding God, Number one, you're also reminding yourself. See, because sometimes we can get so petition focused, we can get so problem focused that we forget that where God wants us to see the promise through the problem. And if you just look at the problem and look at the problem, sometimes we magnify the problem, but God wants us to start looking at his promises. And so if I'm to remind God of his promises, I got to know what his promises are. And when I begin to pray, he wants me to be more promise focused than problem focused. He wants me to be more even promise focused than petition focused. Come on, somebody. So we need to remind ourselves. Now, it's not because God forgets. How many of you know we do not have a schizophrenic God that made some promises and he's like, you know, a billion years old. So he's up there and he's got to take some, uh, you know, ginsinka boba loba koba hoba or whatever that stuff is. And because he forget, come on, somebody. And if you're taking that, God bless you. I love you. Give me some after service. I'll, I'll try it with you. It's all natural, right? I'll give it a shot. Whatever that is. Right now they have the new one. Have you seen the new commercial? The one that, that comes from the, the squid or something like that? What, does anybody know what that name is? Uh, from the octopus or whatever? It's like eat a tentacle or something. You can think better. Man, I'll try that, right? I, I don't know. Privilegin, privilegin. Okay, I got to be careful when I start saying these names. That could be like a, a male enhancement thing or something. I, just, I don't want to, I, I don't want to go there. God is not forgetful. It's funny. God is actually brilliant and a genius because he tells you, remind me of my promises because he knows when we remind him of his promises, we're also reminding ourselves. We're reminding that for your petition, there is a promise. Come on, say that with me. For my petition, there's a promise. And see, here's what's important. God wants me to pray his promises. That means God wants to help me attach a promise to my petition. This is one of my favorite scriptures in Philippians chapter four, verse six. It says, do not be anxious for anything. One translation says this, don't be anxious for nothing, nothing. And I think we always think that our what we're anxious about doesn't apply to this. He says, nothing. Listen, don't be anxious for nothing, but in every situation, by what? Come on, say it loud. By what? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. See, prayer is the best medicine for anxiety. You know why? It has no side effects. Have you seen the commercials for the new medications where the side effects are worse than the medication? May cause depression, may cause suicide. Okay, so if I take this, I may want to kill myself. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, may not be the smartest crayon in the box, but I'm not going to try that. But thanks for being honest. Whew, that, that helps. And see, some of us are anxious because we don't pray. 
and we don't pray and we're anxious. And the Bible says for every anxiety, I'm supposed to take that to God. And can I tell you for anything you're anxious about, anything you're fearful about, there's a promise that God has given us. And when you have a promise for your petition, I want to tell you, know that God will come through because he doesn't lie. He's faithful in keeping his promise. So when I remind God, now he told me to. See, this is what started to give me confidence is when I was growing up. It's like God told me to ask. God was the one that told me to remind him of his promises. Come on, how many of you married couples in here, you tell your spouse, can you remind me, right? Can you remind me? And then when they remind you, you get a little upset, but you're like, your spouse is like, well, you told me. You told me to remind you. So when I'm reminded him, I'm reminding myself and my church family, we need to be reminded today of the promises of God. You need to know that the promise is bigger than your problem. I know problems look big. Listen, I have, I know it's funny because you see me up here with this little coffee table, right? And I got gel in my hair and, and I look perfect, right? Right? And I didn't put on my pants the way you did. I'm different, right? <laughs> I got problems too. And I got some big problems that happen sometimes. But can I just encourage you for every big problem, there is a bigger promise that God has. And it's not just for me, it's for you. Come on. Don't give God little golf claps. I don't know why golf seems to be the theme today. but So when you pray, we remind God of his promises. Here's number two. When we pray God's promises and when you yourself begin to do that, here's number two. Here's what you're doing. You're reaffirming your faith. You're reaffirming your faith. See, we spent six weeks talking about this is the victory. Do you remember the scripture that talks about this is the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. Faith is what overcomes the world. And I got to tell you, the world seems to be getting worse and worse. I mean, we're just coming to these days where people are fighting. Can I just tell you something that I just believe? Uh, you know, we're looking at the NFL and you're seeing the NFL. It's like, it just seems to be dissipating and things are happening and sponsors are pulling their ads. And you know what promise I'm going to believe with that? That the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. That those sponsors who don't want to sponsor that will start to give their money into the kingdom because they're going to give their money somewhere. Give their money into the kingdom of God. Come on, so we can spread the gospel and Jesus can come back. Right? But our faith, this is the victory, and our faith is expressed in words. So when I'm praying God's promises, here's what I'm doing. I'm expressing my faith. I'm declaring that. I'm saying it. Do you remember that when Jesus came to the blind man and he asked him, he said, what do you want me to do for you? What a question. But you know what Jesus wanted? Jesus wanted the blind man to express faith. And he said, I want to see. And guess what? When he expressed faith, the Bible says, with faith, we please God. Without faith, we do not please God. And when he said that expression of faith, our God is willing and well able to make a blind man see. And can I just tell you, if he can make a blind man see, if he can make a dead man rise again, if he can make a lame man walk, he can help you with your electric bill. Come on, somebody. He can help you with your hospital bill. He can heal you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul writes, and he says this, and since we have this same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore we what? We speak. I don't know how many of you have kids, but I have a son and and I have, uh, he's seven years old. And people are always funny because when you're single, they ask you, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? As soon as you get married. I mean, literally, the, probably at the reception. When are you having a child? <laughs> I mean, they just, sometimes, uh, a pressure. Right? We had one kid, and it's always the question, like, hey, hey, Phil, nice, nice to meet you. Oh, is that your son? Yeah, that's, like, they haven't even met me. We're not even two minutes into the conversation. Oh, that's your son. When are you going to have another one? And I'm like, I told him, I was like, listen, we can only handle one. I got two kids. One is 
Gavin and one is Passion Life Church. That, that's all we can handle right now as, as a pastor. I can only, but I don't know if your kids are as good as mine in reminding. I like to say my son Gavin is an expert reminder. I mean, they'll just keep reminding you. And I'll tell him, I'll say, Gavin, you know, because he's got Fridays off, the school that he goes to, he's got Fridays off. And so we've got a plan, you know, and I'm going to be a good parent. And, you know, and so, all right, we're going to go. He's into music now and he's picking up the guitar. And I'm like, God, please don't let this just be a phase. Thank God he doesn't want to be a drummer, you know, but because uh, those are loud. I mean, you know, the amp I can turn down, we can put it with the drum. Thank you, Lord, for the guitar player. And so he's into that. I'm like, like, Dad, let's go to Guitar Center. I want to go to Guitar Center. All right, so we're going to go to Guitar Center. But Dad's got a couple things, right, that, uh, <laughs> that he's got to do before we go to Guitar. And I'm, I'm serious. Not even 20, 30 minutes into that. Dad, are we going to Guitar Center yet? And I said, son, we're going. And here's where his expertise comes in. Dad, you said. You said, we're going to Guitar Center. You know, and because we're not going in his magical timing, right? He's doing exactly what God told us to do, is to come back to God and say, you said in your word. And there's nothing more powerful than that. You know why? Because when I look at him, I will say, Gavin, daddy did say, and we will go. See, sometimes in prayer, our prayers aren't answered like we like them to because it's not in the right timing, right? But he thinks we're not going because in his timing, right? And he can't even tell time, call somebody. But in his timing, we're not there yet. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. But when he says, dad, you said, I want you to listen to these words. There's no dispute because daddy said. And he has a dad that does his best to keep his word. That's why I don't tell my, my son things that I'm not, are not able to do. Now, sometimes it's beyond our control, but I think about things. But I thought about that illustration. That's exactly what God wants us to do. See, a lot of us in prayer are confused. Well, I don't know what God wants. I don't know. Listen, when you say God said, there should be no more dispute in our lives whether God wants this for you or not, just because it's not the right timing. Listen, God said. He said, the Bible says all of God's promises are yes and amen. Come on, it's already the gift card that you have not claimed yet. The 5.8 billion that is an unclaimed gift card has already been paid for. The gift card is there. It's, us to, it's up to us to receive it. And God says, look, I want you to remind me and tell me. I tell God, God, your promises are yes and amen. You know what yes means? Yeah, you know what amen means? Amen means this. So be it in my life. It's not just some spiritual word. Amen, brother. Amen, sister. No, it's take that promise. And you know what? So be it in my life. Amen to that. There should be no dispute. It should be definite. Can I, can I just ask you, are you, do you have a yes to God's promises? Are you a yes to God's promises? Because the Bible says they are already yes and amen. So be it. So be it. And it's so powerful. My son uses my words to get me to do what I said I would do. And that's prayer. That's what God wants us to do. To take his promises and say, God, here's what you said. Here's what you said. So when we begin to say his promises, we're reminding ourselves and we're expressing our faith. Are you glad that you came to church this morning? Here's number three. We're to pray God's promises. But when you pray God's promises, number three, you're praying God's will. Pastor Phil, I just don't know what God's will is. Let me help you. When you pray God's promises, you'll pray his will. Look at John 15, verse 7. It says, if you abide in me, and look at this, and my words, my promises. Where do we get his promises from? From his written word. So it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. 
Why would it be done for you? Because his word is in you. And his word is his will. His word contains the promises. So how do I know what are his promises? I get them from his written word. And listen, my church family, I know this is basic. I know, I know for some of us this is basic, but for some of us it's not. Some of us, we struggle in prayer because we think we have to make up words. We No, God just says this, pray what I've already said. Pray my word and get your word, get his word inside of you. This is why your devotional every day shouldn't just be some religious thing. Your devotional should be looking at God's promises, looking at what he said. And can I tell you, you need to put the word of God in you when you don't need it. So it's there when you do need it. So when you're praying, I'm amazed that sometimes when I start to pray, what comes out of my spirit? It's the word that's been putting. And the Bible says this, man, listen, God will set you up for success. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will remind you of the things that you studied. And that when you are in prayer, there's sometimes I'm praying and I, I, I'm kind of coming to this, you know, what do I verbalize? And God knows. Listen, it's cool. He, he's chill. He understands. You are human. Come on. He understands. He gets it. But his Holy Spirit will kick in. And when your promises, his promises are on the inside. Sometimes I'm just reminded of verses that I'm like, man, I haven't read that verse in a while. But the Holy Spirit brings it back to your remembrance so you can bring it back to God's remembrance. Come on, somebody. Woo. I may become a member of this church. I'm having fun. There's something that happens here. When his words are in me, it has the power to change my desires. Pastor Phil, I know that I have a lot of desires, and I know that some of those desires are not God's will. This has been my favorite scripture, honestly, for the last two years in Philippians. It's funny. My name's Phil and all my favorite scriptures are in Philippians. Philippians chapter two, verse 13. Listen to what God does. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good pleasures. I like that translation. But it, it actually says in other translations that God will work in you and give you the power to do his will. So here's what's cool. When I come into worship today, you got up, you, man, you made an effort to come into worship. I'm getting in, into the presence of God. Now he's always with us, but I'm connecting in the presence of God. Here's what's happening. We're not just singing the song. We're not just looking at the screen, right? And reading the words with the little dot on top of it, right? Because it's something we do to let all the late people come in. Come on, somebody. And no, you know what's happening? We are in the presence of God. And if you'll just open up your heart, here's what he begins to do he begins to change your desires. I didn't, I did not desire God's will. I didn't. And here was the frustrating part. I didn't know how I could because I tried in my own strength. And Christianity is not a religion that you do in your own strength. And let me help some of us. You can't do it in your own strength. You need the Holy Spirit's power working within you. And here's what he'll do. And it's a process for some people, you know, it's a, pro I've seen people come into a service like this and they will, they'll pray, man, they'll cry, snot bubbles everywhere, walk out. You know what? Listen, and they will never smoke a cigarette ever again in their life because God totally changes the desire of the heart. And some people, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Bible says it's 30, 60, a hundredfold. They start, it just, that desire starts to go away gradually. And they don't, I know people and it's such a blessing, man. They don't even desire alcohol anymore. God totally took away the desire. See, it's one thing to overcome something and say, Hey, I'm overcoming this, but it's a whole nother level when God takes away the desire and you just don't desire it anymore. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on. Amen. But you know what? Let me give you some good news. Leave that up to God. Man, I'm struggling in this area. You know what? Just pray to him. Talk with him. Ask him. Say, God, help me with this. Here's what he will do. He will work in you. He will enable you to that, move that desire. Why? Towards his will. My church family, as a church, as a Christian, you should desire God's will. We should. And if you don't, you need more of his presence. You need to open up your heart and let him change that uh, in your life. And, here, and let me just be honest with you. God's will is the best will for your life. I've lived outside of God's will and it was absolutely hell. 
Can we say hell in church? It's in the Bible. It was absolute hell. I like to tell people this way. Today, I am the person I have always wanted to be. And you know, God knew that because I'm living according to his will. And you should desire God's will. Now, let's just chat here a little bit just before we move on about God's will, because that's a huge subject. I mean, we could talk and do a series for three or four months on God's will. But let let me just kind of break some things down to you, because when it comes to God's will, I like to explain it this way. In El Paso, we say explain it, right? We're just going to explain it. No, here we're going to explain it. Listen, and I like to explain it this way. When it comes to God's will, I like to look at it two ways. Here's number one. There is God's written will. What is the written will of God for our lives? The Bible, his word. It never changes. It is the same, right? It doesn't return void. That's where we learn God's promises. That's where we look at and we see his promise. It is the written will of God. This is God's word. This should be the ultimate authority in our life. It's our prayer guide. Do you know that the Bible is not just a love story to you and I about God's love for us? The Bible is actually an incredible prayer guide to help you pray God's promises. But in addition to his written will, God has something that's tailor-made for our lives. Every single one of us has a purpose, right? Every single one of us have this purpose. I like to call that the specific will of God for your life. The specific will. Why do I need the specific? Here's the specific will of God, right? That I can't find in the written word of God, right? I can't find out who I'm supposed to marry in the word of God. I can't turn, right, in the Bible and put it in. God said to marry Valerie Rodarte, right? We can't find that. But here's what the written word will do. The written word will give you characteristics of what a godly woman should be, right? Proverbs 31. So I can look at the characteristics and say, whoo. This is God's will for my life. But the specific will is who am I supposed to marry, right? And with that, we need the specific will of God. We need the specific will of God on which house to buy. If you're buying a house or you're about to, God will help you in that. But you can't open the written will of God and it says, you know, buy buy this house in Wildemar. It doesn't say that. But it can give you principles. Maybe if you're here, you're a young adult and you're, you're, you want to go back to college or you're headed. What college should I go to, God? That is the specific will of God. But listen to this. And if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. The specific will of God for your life will never go against his written will for your life. Let me say that again. The specific will of God for your life will never go against his written will for your life. Why is that important? Because we're praying God's promises. And when we pray God's promises, his written will, we're praying his will. So even in that, even what's amazing is even in the specific will of God, listen, to whether to buy this house, God has a promise. He will lead you and he will guide you. His Holy Spirit even will lead you into all truth. I don't know if I'm supposed to leave my job, Pastor Phil. I want to start this business. Listen, you have a promise and we can pray. God, I thank you that you will lead me and guide me in your will. If this is your specific will for my life or that is your specific will for your life. But can I help somebody today who wants to start really walking in the center of God's will? Who wants to walk in the will of God? Let me help somebody today. Obey what you already know to be the will of God for your life. I think there's a lot of emphasis on the specific will of God where there should be more emphasis on the written word of God. See, I think sometimes we focus so much on the specific will of God that instead of the written will of God, that it's literally the written will of God is right in front of us. There's a good word this morning. If you walk in the written will of God, the specific will of God will be made known to you. Let me say that again, because that's good. That when I am focused on the written word of God, if you'll walk in what you already know to be God's will, if you walk in the written will of God, the specific will of God will be made known to you. I want to read this how I put it in my notes. If we gave as much effort to learning the written will of God as we do about the specific will of God, His specific will would be much easier to figure out. Because that's the essence of Christianity. 
Not my will, your will. That's what Jesus said in his prayer, right? The Lord's prayer. Not my will, your will. You know, the key to having a great marriage is marrying the person God wants you to marry. That's his will. Now, maybe you got outside of that now, but now that you're married, that person is the will of God for you. Come on, somebody. But I've counseled people who, as we talked, Oh, Phil, you know, I just, I'm so, I'm just crushing on this person. I, I, I love this, you know, oh man, I, I come to church and I see her and I say, well, I, I know, I know that person. Yeah, well, I just believe God wants us to be together. Um, uh, that's not the will of God. Well, why not? She's married. <laughs> oh, Pastor Phil. Uh, oh, oh, but, but you know what? Now listen, I'm not trying to be extreme here. Maybe you'll pray for me now when you hear some of the people I talk with. God says that we're not supposed to commit adultery. That's his will. So you may, you may feel stuff. I remember before I dated my wife, I was single, right? And ready to mingle. Come on, somebody. I was in an elevator at our hospital because that's where I work. And this girl walked in and I literally looked at her for three seconds. She was in full on scrubs and even had a mask on, you know, one of those surgical masks. So all I could see was her eyes, right? That's how she looked. She had uh, a, a hair thing covering her hair and all I saw was her eyes. And I'm just telling you how feelings, she walked in and I've never done this before, but I saw her and I looked at her eyes, just her eyes, my knees buckle. I thought that was God. This is the will of God for me. Because I, mean, I just never, and I never saw her again, whatever. But what am I saying? See, sometimes we start to allow our feelings to override the will of God. And if a person is married, this is why James, if you read in the book of James, he says you don't get answered prayers because, listen, you ask a miss. In other words, you ask of ill will. You're asking something that is not the will of God. You cannot pray for somebody else's husband or wife. That is not the will of God. Pastor Phil, how do you know that? Because it's in the written will of God. So the specific will of God doesn't override the written will of God. Is this a good word this morning? And that's the essence of Christianity. And let me just tell you this. You need to have a theology that says God is for me. The Bible says God is for you. Listen to 3 John 2. It says this, beloved, I pray, this is John praying, I pray that you at Passion Life Church prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. All right, I understand that God's will is to move me forward, to be in health, but Pastor Phil, I'm praying and it seems like God closed the door. How can you say that if God wants me to prosper, I thought that promotion was the prosperity that God had for me, but that door just closed. Can I just tell you this? If you understand that God wants to prosper you, you understand there was a reason that God closed that door because he says something else in his will that is better for you, that is tailor-made for your life. Yeah, come on, you can give him a good round of applause. And here's what I pray all the time. It's a promise. God shut every door. You know, the Bible says that he can shut every door and he can shut them that no man can open them. See, I don't want doors opening in my life that man is just opening that is not God's will. I want doors to be shut. And I don't want, if God just wants to shut a door in my life, I don't want anyone to be able to open it. But here's the other part. I want God to open doors that no man can close either. See, and I pray, Lord, with this is your will, the specific will of God, Listen, I don't want anybody to close that door. But if the door's closed, God, guess what? I'm going to look for your open door because it's in that that is the best will for my life. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's what we wanted. Sometimes, let's be honest, it's what we thought we wanted. Right? 
It's like for those of us that have kids, we prayed and prayed and prayed. God, please let our son talk. He's not a talker. He's a grunter. Lord, all the time. Lord, please. He's three or four years old. And then it happened. Boom, he started talking. And I was like, oh, Lord, please shut his mouth. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. He talks so much. Well, you know what I'm talking about. But when God says no in certain direction, listen, when God says no, it's not rejection, it's protection. I tell my son a lot, no. You know why? Because I love him dearly. And it's for his protection. And I know you may think that's the man or woman for you, and you don't understand how God would deny you that, even though God created such an incredible creature. But you need to pray. Because when God says no, it's not rejection, it's protection. Oh, Pastor Phil, you know, I, I had an aunt that died and, you know, she died of this disease. And can I, just, can I just help us today? Not everybody that dies before their time, that's God's will. There are people who are committing suicide, ladies and gentlemen. I can think of about three or four celebrities. That's not God's will for their life. Well, Pastor Phil, how do you know that? Because in the written will, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. In the written word of God, it says, I want to satisfy you with a long life. That's the promise that I live. Come on, I want to see my son graduate from high school. I want to see my son get married. I want to see grandbabies at some point in my life. And I have some promises that I pray towards God. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, they prayed and, and they still died. Now, let me just help us just real quick before I, I do this last point. You and I will die at some point if Jesus doesn't come back. If, 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 he, if he comes back, hey, we'll be high-fiving in the air. Woo-hoo, right? But let me just tell you, as a Christian, we don't see death. As Christians, the Bible says death has no sting. For us as Christians, you will close your eyes here and you will open your eyes in heaven. Right? The Bible says that we, it's just a change of address for us as Christians. You are in a mortal body. When you get in heaven, that's when you will have your heavenly body. Come on, that's when I will look like David Beckham. Come on, somebody, in my heavenly body, right? At some point, if Jesus doesn't come, we're all going to die, but there's promises for long life. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, I just don't understand why God didn't heal them. God didn't intervene. Can I just tell you, I don't know either, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus my faith on his written word. Listen to me in love. I love you. Do not reduce your theology down to the level of someone else's experience. Line your theology up with the word of God. I don't know what happened to grandma and I don't know what happened to aunt, auntie. I don't know what they believe, but you're going to have to make a decision whether you're going to hold on to the promises of God or not. But I'm not going to let, listen, what happened to so-and-so override the written word of God in my life. Don't reduce your theology down to someone else's experience. And let me say this, and I want to say the last one, and we'll close. I know it gets confusing, but I want you to hear this, and you can write this down. Just because God allows stuff doesn't mean God initiated it. Things in this earth, God has given you a, a free choice. If I went over to Zach, right, right over here, right, and Zach's been working out, he's got guns, right, that are illegal. Do you have a permit for those? And he's got, and I went over to Zach right after service and just popped him right in the shoulder. Was that God's will? No, that was a dumb choice that I made because he's going to kick my holy butt. <laughs> Not everything that happens in life is God's will. Come on, somebody. Well, I came out of, you know, a car at Albertsons hit my truck. I, I don't know why God allowed it. You know what? You know what God allows? Free choice. He allowed some dummy over there to let their cart go and hit your car. So let's pray against that and stop thinking that just because you got hit with a cart at Albertsons that God doesn't love you anymore. Are you still there? I'm talking to Christians. We get spooky sometimes. And I know it's, it's Halloween's coming up, but there's some spooky that, people that are there all year around. Oh, the coffee fell on me and burnt me. God's trying to teach me a lesson. No. Stop. 
I know, I know this is hard for us to hear, but we need to hear sometimes the things that happen in our life are because of our dumb choices. Some things that happen in our lives, listen, are because of other people's dumb choices. But don't be one of those Christians that puts God on it. Well, I just think God. You know why? Because God trumps everything. So I just think God was doing that. No, listen, God gave humanity a free choice. And he's not going to take that back. And listen to this, please. With free choice comes great, great evil. And with choice comes great, great good. Oh, Pastor Phil, then what do I do? I need to pray God's will in my life. Because what God will do is he starts to intervene. Come on, is this a good word this morning? Come on, you can give him a good round of applause. It's been a good day. So when we pray God's promises, we pray God's will. And here's the last one for today. When you pray God's promises, make his promises personal. Would you stand with me today as we close? I just want to really put some action steps to this point number four and show you how I do it. And I believe that God wants us to do it in our lives. As you pray, we need to make God's promises personal. And here's what I want to do. I'm just going to put some scriptures up on the screen today. And I want you just to say them with me. But what I did is I changed the scriptures. Instead of putting our or yours, I put my. Because that is making the promises personal. So what are you facing today? What, I don't know what you're going through. But you know what? There is some promises for our needs. Look at this one. Put this one up. Philippians chapter four, verse 19. Come on, let, let's say this together. Say, but my God, come on, listen, you're expressing your faith. Say, but my God shall supply my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you need healing today, listen to this for our healing. Let's say this together. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. It says, surely, come on, read this with me. Surely he bore my griefs and he carried my sorrows, but he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was upon him and by his stripes, come on, say it, I am healed. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.